Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bald Move Television Podcast, where the officially unofficial podcast for literally all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And we are talking today in particular about uh, Season 2, Episode 7 of HBO's The Deuce, entitled The Feminism Part. Uh, and we're just going to teach a Feminism 101 uh, class right here. To, I don't feel qualified for that. To an uh, audience of Italian uh, gangsters. I, if I could teach it in Italian, I'd be I'd be better <laughs> equipped. But uh, yeah, uh, this uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit uh, other. Uh, we're going to talk about some other kind of general TV non spoiler stuff here in a bit. But before we do that, uh, what did you think of this episode of the Deuce? We last week we talked about the penultimate episode, which we kind of fucked up. This isn't the penultimate episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should talk about that first. Okay, before uh, some... we talk about our opinion of this episode, uh-huh. uh, we said that there's only eight episodes of this season because at the time of writing, um, you know, it's an even number, so it's got that going for it. <laughs> sure. And on Wikipedia, where I get most of my information uh, as far as, like, you know, who wrote and directed it, it for the longest time just showed as eight episodes. But mm-hmm. someone wrote in, said we got it screwed up. Uh, we did, in fact, have it screwed up. I think it's going to be nine episodes. Are we sure that they didn't go edit Wikipedia and just put in a magical... They, they could have, which means, like, maybe it's going to be ten episodes. Maybe it'll be 13. Maybe it'll be 27. It's the longest season of David Simon's life. Yeah, maybe he's trying to bring it back to old school TV, you know, like it's 70s just, TV, set 24 episodes a season. There's a lot to do before you flash forward to the 80s, man. Fuck, just do one a week for the whole year. <laughs> 52 episodes of The Deuce. Fuck it, we'll just shoot round the clock. No breaks. <laughs> right. Uh, what, so, having, you know, the, f- the fact that this isn't the penultimate, next week's the, uh, penultimate, uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, of, of course, I thought it was good. Uh, this is maybe the first episode where I looked at something and said, ooh, boy, I don't I don't know how, how much I buy that. Uh, mm. With the watch? The watch was a little bit of a, a thing that stuck out to me, but apparently I yeah I was like, how likely is it that this watch would stick in a dead person's hand right. and that the fool Rigor dumping mortis, her body yeah. wouldn't know mm-hmm. that he had lost his watch? And I I don't know. I watched the thing after the credits, and they were talking about how this is a real life event that happened. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I assume the watch is part of that, which yeah. makes me go, well, I guess one in a million type of things do happen once in a million chances. It's like when Omar jumped out a four story window. And okay. survived, and you're like, uh-huh. there's no fucking way. And then you go back and read, and like, oh yeah, that's exactly how it went down. Right. You know, uh, sometimes people can can fall from an airliner without a parachute and live. Mm-hmm. Not something you want to count on, but <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same thoughts. Like, surely Simon wouldn't be pulling a fast one. And I was going to research it, but then they had just addressed it in the after episode. So no, I think I was kind of annoyed with it when I was watching it because. I just seen the first episode of uh, Haunting of Hill House, and they do something similar in that for convenience. Mm. Like they have the father carry the child. They they start their their run. They're running away from something, mm. and he doesn't want the kid to see it. But the kid needs to see it in the episode, and so he carries him with him, looking behind him. Mm-hmm. The kid, of course, opens his eyes and sees mm-hmm. it. But then they get to the stairway, and the dad just puts the kid down. Yeah, like he carried him that far for absolutely no reason other than the show oh, needed so, the kid so to you see must, the thing. Yeah, you must see this, right? And so I was like, oh well, this just put a watch here because you needed Chris to find the watch. Otherwise, well, and how then when it was like, engraved, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's it almost like, seemed too much. But I guess. Yeah. I guess I don't have a problem with it after seeing the after credits. As far as him not noticing, like, I did think they did a pretty good job of showing that he was pretty drunk 
and not thinking straight and probably just in a blind panic. I mean, when yeah. Chris found him at the bar, he still had blood all over him. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't seem like a guy who was really masterminding a, a, a crime cover-up. <laughs> For sure. He's not a mastermind of any kind. But it's funny because I thought in that same that, that same scene or the same situation that uh, – they they established when they found the, Anita's body. That she's like, yeah, this would have been carried out to sea by the current, except for it got hung up on the piers. Mm-hmm. Like he's a little bit of bad luck, you know, bad bad news bears, bad luck bears here because he yeah. would have gotten away with murder almost assuredly um, if that hadn't happened. And honestly, if he if the the watch hadn't been found, mm-hmm. so there's a lot I want to say. I mean, do you do? You, well, I, well, I mean, the good there was a lot of good stuff in here too, and a lot yeah. of it played out very close to how i figured it would you know Mm -hmm. with vincent trying to get out of the mob it's like no no you just that's not something that happens once the mob has you yeah uh there's a lot of tension between in in the couple big relationships here between like abby and vincent and also Mm -hmm. uh fuck i'm blanking on their names who are you talking about (laughs) can you describe them i can't (laughs) i'm blanking on their faces too oh my god Oh jesus (laughs) i i think i'm i'm Early stage dementia here. Barely uh, early stage. No, I. Th- there's another key relationship in this that I can't think of the names of. So, uh, you, you talking about Bobby and this boy? No, well, that's a good relationship that goes places in this. Okay. But uh, no, Paul and his boyfriend. Oh, Kenneth. That's yeah. why I couldn't think of his name because I don't know his fucking yeah. name. <laughs> Kenneth. I made it a point to learn it since he's okay. going to probably exit the series. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you're right and there there was other than the killings there was a lot of action like i yeah i expected someone that we cared about to take a bullet i didn't expect it to be vince in this uh, in this episode in this particular situation yeah and and the fact that like and um i was actually not sure how to interpret tommy's like oh they were shooting you vince like are mm-hmm. they shining I mean, we can talk about that probably later in the episode about like what our conspiracy theories about who are shooting who. But I thought it was like maybe him trying to avoid because it's a big deal to shoot at a made man. Like maybe they're giving uh, Rudy some plausible <laughs> deniability. Uh-huh. Like you shoot at a made man and there's going to be war. I've got a theory. So they're trying to be like, oh, it's Vincent. It's that they weren't shooting at you, Rudy. It's Vincent to try to keep it from going to the mattresses. I don't know. I, I've got I've got a real solid lead on a theory here oh yeah yeah i got one too what's yours uh my theory is that these are rudy's guys shooting at him oh really yeah and that they're trying to scare vincent into oh shit yeah no you need the protection a and b if you run look at what the mob can do to you uh my theory is actually this is a disgruntled guild of vermont barkeeps that are just (laughs) really really jealous and scared Mm -hmm. at some big tap swinging dick from new york city coming slinging brews and stay out of vermont yeah exactly exactly (laughs) you keep your big you keep your big city charm and your gangster ways out of here i wish i could do a vermont accent i don't even know what a vermont accent is i think it's like if you if you you take a a white person's voice and Mm -hmm. remove all regional accent at all okay that's vermont i feel like that's what i have okay I'm, yeah, you, you actually Vermont? have as close to an unaccented English as, as anybody. Like, you know. It's because I grew up everywhere. You're ready for CNN and NPR. <laughs> uh, shall we? Oh, so I think this is a good time to pivot into the episode, but also it's a good a good time to talk about housekeeping. And one other thing I want to talk about, which is the season three True Detective t- trailer. Oh, yeah. 
We love season one of True Detective. We were kind of mm, to, eh, on season two. <laughs> I was eh to no on mm-hmm. season two. Uh, season three, like I feel like there's a couple things they did right. They took enough time to actually write a story that may be worthy of a follow-up. The cast, as always, looks amazing. Uh, I've, I've heard that uh, uh, Pizzolatto brought in some like ringers to help on dialogue, including the guy yeah. who's like famous for working on Dead uh, Deadwood, which has sparkling dialogue. So I thought you lot... were going to say Deadpool, Deadpool, <laughs> which made me nervous. Also has sparkling dialogue for sure, uh, different kind. But I, I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty excited for this trailer. I am too. I will say that this trailer, this is the first time I've seen it. It was damn near inscrutable. I came away from it feeling like I knew no more about season three than I did before watching it, which was nothing. Mm. The only thing I know is that Marshal Ali has done something bad in his past and he's haunted by a woman who's probably his wife. Yeah. So so there's going to be like two timelines in this, I assume. Perhaps it's perhaps it's a literal ghost that's haunting him. This is going to oh, be the, it could the be. first true detective that steps into the the arcane and the paranormal after. Yeah, it's going to it's going to follow up with that tease. Uh, yeah, no, I I mean, but it's it's really interesting because you've got like young uh, Ali, you got old Ali. Uh, and I, I don't like you said, it was kind of inscrutable. It was kind of mysterious, but that's exactly kind of what I want from true detective. <laughs> yeah, no, I came away with a good feeling for season three. So they. And mission accomplished. Jan- it's coming in like mid January. Oh yeah, you said the nineteenth. Yeah, is it thirteenth or nineteenth? I wasn't sure. And it's so it's going to be uh, a shorter off season before we get back into like uh, original uh, first run content mm-hmm. uh, than it normally is. So uh, we'll be looking out for that. We actually have a dedicated True Detective feed. We do. Uh, okay, now for some housekeeping. Speaking of trailers. We just released a trailer to a new uh, feature on Bald Move. Uh, Season of the Cage is the first of our super serious film festivals that we're going to be doing. It's a new type of content where we do a deep dive on a set of films. This is six films from Nick Cage's career. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash bald move, you will see the the trailer for Season of the Cage. We're looking at the best of Nick Cage. We're looking at the worst of Nick Cage. Uh, Friday, we have the first installment of the film festival, uh, The Rock. And we've got a live watch for club members. We've got uh, well, we've got a we've got a, your our typical movie review deep dive into the movie. That's for everybody. For club members, you get bonus features such as a live watch where you can watch us watch the film and react and make jokes about it. And then we also uh, got Guy Ferrari in here to do a complete uh, a script treatment for a sequel to The Rock called The Clock. Uh, if that sounds interesting, to you check it out on BaldMove.com or again YouTube.com/slash BaldMove. Uh, we also have the Romanovs that we're covering in this year Bald Move TV feed, uh, the new a- Amazon series from Matt Weiner, creator, showrunner of Mad Men. Cecily and I are doing American Horror Story stuff over in the American Horror Story feed on baldmove.com. Also, on a personal note, uh, we started pre-sales of my book, Gods of Thrones. This is a Game of Thrones book, a deep dive into the religions. I'm using deep dive a lot. Deep dive into the religions of Westeros and a, a new way uh, to look at the material. Um, we've got great art from uh, Chase Stone. I co-wrote this book with a religious scholar, Anthony Ladon. I think you'll really like it. You can check out the Kickstarter at book.baldmove.com for more information, or you can go to Amazon.com and pre-order it today. Search for God of, Gods of Thrones Bald Move, and you'll find it. 
Um, and there also be a link uh, at the bottom of this here uh, show notes. So check that out and let's get on to the episode. Let us move into the episode proper now. What do you want to start with? You want to start with uh, the man of the hour, Vince? Sure. Uh, so we speculated if Vince could get out and what that would look like. And we found out that uh, Tommy kind of tongue in cheeks, like, hey, you'll just be found somewhere. <laughs> and after he makes Vince sweat a bit, he goes, the reality is, if you're out, you're out. Mm-hmm. Forget about bartending anywhere in New York City. Forget about your girlfriend being able to bartend anywhere in New York City. Forget about all this other money. Like, And, and it's not piecemeal. You can't be like, load me up on bars and in exchange because I, I thought that that seemed like the win-win mm-hmm. like hey you know let 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 vince exclusively manage these bars which seem to be very profitable which which rudy seems to very much enjoy uh his ownership of you know you, you can't go into just any old nightclub in new york city and see those tig old biddies that were on display at the beginning, at the beginning of the episode. Rudy was attracted to those. Yeah. Yes. Like, like <laughs> and that's the thing. Is like, whether you're into that or not, it's going to uh, catch your eye. It, yeah. It's yeah. not something you see every day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and it's like, it's, it's a, a carnival delight, delights for everyone. That's the, mm-hmm. all, the awesome magical thing about these clubs is like, there is literally something for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you can't do it. You can't, you can't like, okay, well, I just, I just want the good, clean, fun stuff. I don't want any of the filthy prostitution sex work stuff you got to take it all and that causes vince to flip the fuck out get an eight ball of coke <laughs> rent a midside sedan and hit the road so i i don't understand that mentality i guess like if vince is good at really good at running bars yeah. let him run all your fucking bars let him run a hundred bars like he says let me run five bars you know uh why do they want to keep is it just this thing where look we've got an arrangement and that's how it's going to be. And there, we're not going to change our minds. You can't back out of it. Is it just that? Is that the only thing keeping Vince in the parlor and and other games? I think if you think of the mob as a, a, a business enterprise with with uh, its roots in capitalism, it's a lot less mysterious because it's all about mit- managing your risk. You have a successful thing. Vince is keeping it humming, as they say. Uh, If he steps aside, maybe Bobby starts skimming. Maybe Irene starts skimming. Maybe Frankie starts, you know, creeping in the back door doing weird shit. Yeah. It's a like changing management is always a risk. And if you're a gangster and can just say, yeah, you can't retire. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. I'm going to I'm going to use illegal pressure and tactics on you. Then why wouldn't you? Because it's it's a smart money play to make. Here's Vincent's way out. The, The only way out in this situation is through. He's mm. got to become a made man. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got to just work his way to the top of the mob and then say, I'm out. They kill Rudy. Get permission to kill, like, earn enough bones <laughs> right. to kill Rudy, and then he can do... Then finally, that's all... All I want is to get out of the peep show game, all right? Yeah, it took me 25 years, <laughs> but I've done it. Uh, and that's yeah, that's essentially the plot of The Godfather, right? I like, think so, I'll, yeah. I'll help the family out with this one little thing, and then suddenly you're mm. murdering your brother. Uh, pretty I, much. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I felt like that Vince had something here when he went to Vermont and he's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is a small town. It's nice. It's clean. There's fresh air. You can have a good family out here with a, with a nice, beautiful wife and you're not out all hours chasing a bunch of crazy tail. Uh, you know, there's no mobsters, but there's also some gay people. So it's not like totally... <laughs> You know, stick up its ass, middle America. Like, this is the best of both worlds. The problem is, 
he gets back, pitches it to Abby, and she's just hard pass. Yeah. I mean, Abby's Abby's got her own life. Yeah. This is why I'm, you know, concerned about the tension in the relationship. And I could honestly see it going very far downhill by the yeah. end of this season. We've got two more episodes. Yeah. Something big could happen there. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's fucking Dave. She's talking about how jealous she is and how jealous he is. Uh, he's got this other life that he desperately wants to live. She does too. How do you come to terms? How, how do you, how do you come together on that? Well, that's the ironic part is like, you know, Vince was saying, be careful around this Dave guy. Cause you might catch a pimp bullet mm-hmm. by the end of the episode. He's the one catching bullets. So yeah. that, and, and the thing is, is he wasn't wrong about Dave and how the pimps are kind of turned on him and he's, a dangerous guy to hang around with but now like all the men in her life seem to be dangerous men to hang around with and Mm -hmm. you know all abby wants to do is is to do good but how does she do that without the money how does she it's 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 a lot of of interesting exchanges but i did like seeing vince behind the bar like i forgot how good he is at that not just in the big city glad handing cokes on me everybody but like the way he slyly hooked that guy and that girl up, yeah, knowing that he's probably going to get a big tip for it, and just he's just smooth. Unfortunately for this girl, that guy is absolutely a liar because nobody likes Negronis. <laughs> no, fucking nobody, right? Well, if all unless you've, you're all, from Italy, all you had is Jack and Cokes. You think Negron like that's like your first grown up drink? <laughs> I mean, maybe. I just I, I saw what he was pouring Campari uh-huh. and vermouth and I was like uh-huh. this kid is gonna yeah. spit this in his face yeah, yeah. and then he, he loved it if you're go if you're going from cavity drinks that's a pretty big that's like drinking rat poison <laughs> it is because it's all the Campari right yeah it's super bitter yeah um but yeah you're right he's he's excellent behind the bar and we don't get to see that side of him very often because now I mean his club is set up such that everybody's just there to hook up and do drugs and fuck and and dance and yeah. party and he doesn't have to initiate any of it yeah you know it was such a weird i thought it was a weird performance from the uh bartend at the old uh, turf exchange alehouse jerry moon uh because the whole time he was playing the he, he was appreciative of vince's help but i kept on thinking he was giving a performance of like this guy's a bit much yeah and when he's like after hours, they're they're doing his brag session. Like essentially, is a, a, for Vince to brag about how fucking awesome New York City is, and how you got to hose people down at three o'clock to keep them from fucking on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, the guy's giving him kind of I thought stink eye. So the uh, I was kind of worried for Vince. He's like, oh no, come with me. I because I, I thought he was really going to rough him up or like, what do you think you can come in here and yeah, it's a weird. But then once he got to the guy's house, everything was like super chill. Mm-hmm. So. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he thought the guy was a chode, but he's appreciative of him helping. I, I don't know. No, that performance was a little strange for me too. That's how I you. Agree. That's how you roll. Maybe Vermonters are all just like a little, you know, off-putting, standoffish. Bernie Sanders, Vermonter. Yeah, it's true. He's a you know a little, can get a little loud and shouty sometimes. Gets a little worked up about <laughs> about social justice and you know economics. God. Uh. Do we want to talk about? So we talked about the the, the two leading theories. It's uh, it's upset Vermont barkeeps and it's mob. I I had and that is my list of theories too. My serious theories is the mob wants him to think his life is in danger. Like this, the caddy and the gunshots were all a little play. Uh, I mean, the other theory is just the plain read of the situation, which mm-hmm. is. Tommy killed this one of their guys outside of a pizzeria. Right. And this is revenge. Like, right. They're going to kill one of Rudy's guys. I, 
I could totally see that. Do you think that the guy? Here's the thing: these these mooks that came at Rudy. Do you think they knew he was a made man? Because that's where it gets dangerous, for sure. Yeah, it's it's one thing because like you know, uh, Tommy didn't take out a made man. Tommy just took out some other mook. Yeah, and he made a point of telling us, "Oh, this isn't a made man." Exactly. So. so it's like I can do this, and if not get away with it, no one's going to. It's not going to blow up Rudy's spot for it. Right. You know, shit happens out on the streets, and I I don't know that sloppy. Or, uh, I mean, it's definitely sloppy because they fired like a full, two full clips of ammo and didn't hit anybody, which is uh-huh. kind of, uh, I, you know, I hear that that's not remarkable. You know, drive by driving, yeah, at a distance, it's with a pistol, like that's not uh-huh. not great for your marksmanship. <laughs> no, uh, it could be, it, it could be just a, a another escalation in the uh, the peep show war. Or the mm-hmm. the massage parlor war. It could be. I mean, one thing we found out. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we're ready to talk about this, but Eileen has gone and got gangster money. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if it's like we're supposed to understand that Frankie didn't tell her about the arrangement with Rudy, or she's like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. But she's going to the horse and Hodus, which seems like maybe this is preemptive, trying to put pressure. But but, but yeah, what. Why would they be shooting at Vince over the over the porno flick? Yeah, I, I don't know about the porno flick. I I mean, Tommy says it's the parlor, or, or I'm sorry, at the end of this, after the credits, mm-hmm. they're they're talking to David Simon. And he says it's the parlor wars. Yeah, I kind of wish he had. And I, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what to make of that because I thought the parlor wars were basically done with. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I knew I mean, there had to be escalations because Tommy kills that guy. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But or, I didn't think they would be focused at Vince because mm-hmm. he, to me, is not to blame. But how? No, I guess not. how would anybody know that? But, but maybe like if they're doing the chessboard of like pawn yeah. equals a pawn, you know, two, two, right. a, a rook and a what is it? A, a fucking rook and a, a bishop equal a queen or a castle? Okay. Uh, like, yeah. like he's like, well, you know, the guy that that Tommy killed is roughly equal in stature and importance to. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's points that value. Kind of thing. Is yeah, exactly. Equivalent. Sure. Exactly. Um, because I also thought like maybe his outside chance, the pimps have gotten together and hired a gunman <laughs> to, to, you yeah. know, fuck with Abby. But that, I, I think you're right. I think, I think David Simon, the showrunner is correct. Probably. And it's a, it's, it's a, uh, it's a peep show war thing. Fuck authorial intent. I, yeah. I think it's not. I think it's Auth- uh, author's dead. Rudy hired his own guys to come prove to Vince he needs protection. Do you want to talk about uh, Eileen's storyline since we kind of already dipped our, our foot in that water? Yeah, we could do that. Uh, what a difference a week makes. Harvey is now on board with not. Uh, I mean, he's the, the 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 rough cut he saw must have made him a true believer because now he's wanting to do reshoots. I guess he's screaming about it, but he's willing to do it. He's. <laughs> Uh, you know, going back and 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 uh, as he said, paying paying twice for the same real estate. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought that was because Frankie's wife fucked up that one shoot, and right. they had to go back to the hotel, right? But they're talking. Well, but we already saw that reshoot. That was when she was yeah. the grandmother. I wonder if they're actually going back and fixing some of the other stuff too. Oh, maybe because they now got dollar signs uh, to the extent that he's comfortable going to these mobsters for no. And that's that's where. Do you think that Frankie told Eileen about Rudy? I mean, we haven't seen that, but like mm-hmm. I they were so blase about going to the mob for money. 
and 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 implying that and they also said we've we're going back to them right kind of double dipping with these guys hmm. um i i just feel like if if this was the first time they're getting mob money involved eileen would have been like i don't know about this harvey this seems crazy and he could be like well you want your movie made or not but they didn't do that so i mean don't get me wrong i definitely think it's going to be a problem to have horse and rudy money mixed up <laughs> Yeah, I mean, getting any mob money in this was a mistake. Especially when he got 25% for 20 grand. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be a shit show when these guys try to, to, to divide all of their money up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's scary, too, because this is in the same episode where we see Vincent desperately trying to get out. And, I mean, look at, look at the life that Eileen has led so far, mm-hmm. right? She has spent her entire life avoiding being under the thumb of a pimp. Mm-hmm. And she was successful at that. Yeah. And she tried to spend her movie career under, not being under the thumb of the mob. Mm-hmm. And now Frankie has dragged her into it. And and if you need an example of how that goes badly, just take a look at Vince's storyline right sure. now. Sure, sure. I mean, it's it's not a happy ending. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, maybe she wants to do... It's not like she can do her next movie without the mob involvement. Right. Because guess what? You'll never work in this town again. <laughs> right. And Although she can go to Hollywood, that's fine. <laughs> I, I I see The Godfather. I know how that works out. Horse heads and beds, like the, the the New York can reach pretty far across the country when it wants to, and I I kind of wondered about that because there's many many instances of people saying uh, that like oh 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 you experience this on the West Coast well lofty fucking da like apparently West Coast doesn't have pimps doesn't have mafia. Uh, it's paradise. Yeah, it sounds like it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a. You, it just has uh, Hollywood movie producers who will proposition you for a blowjob. <laughs> right. They don't. Yeah. It's like they're like pimps that don't pay you. They just <laughs> right. you know, take things from you. Uh, yeah, they got the, they got their own problems over there. But, they do. Not the same problems. Yeah. Um, but you, it's also interesting because Eileen thought she was going to be the linchpin to convince these guys about her artistic vision. But she was disappointed to find out that she's essentially a cloak of decency that mm-hmm. they that's they we want to we want to trot you out toots at the premiere so we can say hey this ain't just a fuck film it's a ladies fuck film right the now, feminism now, part. Now, go, now go away sweet cheeks while we we talk amongst the, the the men yeah and uh she's clearly assaulted and offended by that and she's also swearing they're never going to touch her film and they're not going to touch the cut they're not going to touch the posters i think that's all probably bluster because what's she going to do yeah go to war with the mob <laughs> Uh, it's like you've already like I think you're right. Like she, it's the tra- essential tragedy of her is she's resisted being uh, under someone's thumb for so long that chasing her dream project and passion has led her to voluntarily put those chains on. I like should take a beating, yeah, a beating to avoid that. But to get you know the the set that she wants, she it's it's a uh, it's a classic Greek tragedy situation. And, and speaking of the set that she wants mm. um this is the other part of her story in this episode where she introduces her kid to what she does mm-hmm. uh i feel like she's taking a half measure here though mm-hmm. because she only tells him that she's a movie director she does not tell him yeah. what kind of movies and you got it, she almost does there's a moment in yes, there where she's she like should almost. i tell him this is a fuck film and how do i word it and what do i do when he gets a boner like yeah right uh, all the things bobby is, is going through now absolutely uh-huh. it's oh man it's it's so good to watch because it's so like sad and awkward and right i i just wanted her in that moment to say 
because it's an adult film. You mm-hmm. can't see it because it's an adult film, yeah. not because it's still in a rough cut yeah. or whatever. I, she needs to do it. She took half measure here. It's probably going to bite her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she had, you know, like Harvey said, the best thing is to get out in front of this because it's she's already like in in 2018. She'd already her spot would have been blown up. Yeah, for sure. One of her probably as an 11 year old, someone got on Pornhub and saw like that looks just like your mom. And it but now if she's going and especially since she's making this film, this isn't some you know, raincoat, gutter cum, jerk flick. It's supposed yeah. to be like you could edit this down to an R rating. This is going to be something that is is as important in this universe as, you know, like Deep Throat was to ours. Like this is something that like couples went to. Like Emmanuel or something, right? Yeah. Like uh, an arty fuck yeah, film. Yeah, like teenagers that's... could sneak into this. Like she could be on the yeah. cover of magazines and certainly newspapers and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just like what Harvey said. You know, this isn't... You're going on a path where this is inevitable. He's going to find out. Yeah. So do you want him to hear it from taunting peers at school or do you want him to hear it from, you know, his mother that loves him? And But it's a tough one. It because, is. Because uh, it's pretty it's pretty easy to be blasé and sex positive and really, truly believe that. But you live in a world where that's not exactly an uncontroversial opinion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, school's prison culture uh you're really you're really putting the potential especially back in the 70s my god you're really you know your mom's a whore that's like the go-to insult and with the sting that your son might believe it like oh yeah you're right like that's that's got to be a lot to live with oh maybe you just got to do what bobby did and wait till your son drops out of high school there you go yeah <laughs> and how, then you can tell him sure sure how long i mean you know he's got his mom's not in his life he's been raised by his crazy grandma like mm-hmm. how how far off is the <laughs> can't be far no no i mean what is he he's probably going into freshman year uh, yeah, he, he could drop seems out like it. Seems <laughs> Why like not? It. i'd say he's 13 14 is if i had to guess yeah uh, but, but that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like there are a lot of comparisons being made here. Like, look at Bobby's kid, right? Mm-hmm. He is very much being introduced to what his father does in a crash course kind of manner. Mm-hmm. And it's probably fucking him up mm-hmm. uh, more so than having your mom guide you through a movie set. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, Bobby obviously is ill-equipped to deal with no. his son at all. Yeah, and that's the other thing is, like, I do... I do believe there is the adult content is real, like content that should be for adults because exposing the kids to it too early and especially because it's not like kids being aware of sex and it's a fact of life. It's like you're skipping to, hey, there's a lot of crazy shit. There's might be whips and chains involved. There might be uh, unusual configurations of genitals that you haven't imagined let's talk about the power dynamics of <laughs> yes the, the female and the male about during, tops and yeah. bottoms and power bottoms and uh-huh. uh leather daddies <laughs> and it's like i don't know that it's kind of like i didn't give my son caffeine when he was a baby like i don't know that you mm-hmm. introduce kids to hardcore fuck suck things in like i don't know i don't know how old they should be i know how old i was um am i screwed up I mean, you've heard these podcasts. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have the actual answers. I'm just saying that, like, I can see it being real scary. Yeah, real scary. No, uh, I wouldn't. I don't envy the position she's in. Certainly. Uh, how about Shay and Irene? This is a. This is a Irene. This is a a nice, easy, short one. Uh, it seems that 
Irene strategy of being Shay's pimp, except for she gets no money and no stimulation. <laughs> and no and, drugs. And no drugs and has to be locked in a boring-ass apartment all day. Uh, uh, seems like that backfired. It did. And Shay <laughs> went back to Rod. Now, Rodney's homeless, I think we're supposed to understand. He's living on those steps? I think that's, yeah. Oh, fuck. I think he's homeless. Uh, I think he's his $100 day drug habit has finally caught up, and people are starting to notice. And, and he lost his, like, $100 a day whore, too. Right, like, right. Uh, you know, uh, and, Shay was no joke. And he's doing the pimp thing where it's like, oh, no, nah, you heard wrong. I, I sold her played-out ass, you, yeah. you know. Uh, saving face I, I feel like cc wouldn't try and save face there he'd go fix the fucking problem maybe track her down you know um although course, he couldn't C- with dorothy say cc he's already been he, he, yeah he, and he, that was arguably more in the height of the pimp era so that's true yeah uh and then we see irene kind of stare rodney down because she knows what, what what's the score why let me ask you this why why does she go back to rodney i mean because otherwise she has to go to some random dude to score. She has no money. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, Shay? why does she go back to drugs? Why does she go back to Rodney? Why does she go back to her old life when she has this alternative here? But the alternative sucks. I mean, that's the I, I don't know that I would go for the heroin and prostitute route. But if I was literally my other option is being locked. And the thing is, like, it's 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 a coercive situation either way. For sure. Like. With Rodney, at least she gets to go out and wear nice clothes and feel, you know... She's not going to catch a beating from Irene. And, no. And, and this situation with Irene, I very much felt was temporary. Do, do, so, do, like, well, get her back on her feet, get her... How to Define temporary, though. When, like, when can she walk the streets of this neighborhood without fear of Rodney seeing? Well, I wouldn't like, say... five years I wouldn't later say is this, not enough to say. I wouldn't say this neighborhood. I would say some other fucking neighborhood. Get the hell out that's of what, here. That's what I think the... Like, Irene should have pitched Vermont. Yeah. To Shay. Yeah. And now maybe Shay's like, fuck you. I want to live in New York. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. But, like... I, me- I guess she's more stuck than I think because Irene can't leave. Right. Irene is part of Vincent's operation. And right. if she leaves... The mob comes after her. Right. In in exactly the same banal way they come after Vince. Like, yeah. you're just, you're just going to be hounded out of town. Uh, so I, I, I kind of, I thought they did a good job of showing that, you know, yes, this is, I think if you're a completely sober and you're a non-person uh, that's been out on the street uh, living this life, it seems very rational to stick with Irene. And I think if Irene was like Abby... This might have worked because Abby would have figured out a way to kind of like, you know, but the fact that Irene is there's a little bit of, uh, you know, that she's a captured princess held in this tower. Uh, yeah, I Irene, don't think Abby would have tried to fuck her. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's like the, to me, like, I feel like the, that that's what makes Shay like, well, you know, pimp A, pimp B, at least yeah. pimp A. I, it, it's like minimizing risk versus maximizing reward mm-hmm. irene's the risk minimize but rodney is the the reward maximization so it's fucked up but i guess once you've been clean uh from the drugs yeah for that long yeah i i have a hard time seeing why you would want to go back and then again i understand People do all totally. the time because i i, I will know. say that that's one thing i don't have experience with physical addiction to things yeah but I just listened to a, a segment on NPR about this father who's he's had like this 15 year struggle with his son's heroin addiction. And guy's finally clean and sober, but he was like clean and sober for two or three years mm-hmm. and fell off the wagon because I, I, I think after even the physical effects, you still remember 
how easy and effortless things are when you're high. Yeah. And when things get hard, it's like if you know that you had an easy button, the temptation to push it just one time. That's, you know, that's I, I guess that's how it works. Huh? Again, I, I I've, I've never had firsthand experience <laughs> of it. I just I've just seen it on TV and in, in my family's life. But mm-hmm. uh, let's move on to a category that I have dubbed Dorothy, Dave, Abby and the pimps. Oh, boy. Because this is like I feel like trying to separate it is, is, is futile. And I figure throw Vincent in there, too. Well, we you already know. talked about Vincent, so... A, a little bit, but I, we can talk <laughs> yeah, yeah, more yeah, about as he him interfaces that. as he relates to Abby, certainly. Uh, so it turns out that everyone is right that sending one of these uh, sex workers home is a bad idea. Not just because it takes away time and attention from trying to fix society, but now the pimps... I've got a whiff of something up and you can see how their attitude has changed, has changed all of the ladies on the street. Suddenly, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not as easy to get people to cooperate. It's not as easy to get them to listen to what you want to say because the pimps have been poisoning and, and, you know, not just poisoning the, the verbal. Well, they probably given some beatings out too. Yeah. Girl, if I catch you with this Dave guy, you're going to get a beating. What are you going to do? Yeah, there's not much you can do. Um, I feel like the the larger strategy is one that's harder to decipher, too. So, like, you you say, okay, well, we're working against the pimps by doing community outreach and talking with politicians and trying to get things Mm -hmm. changed from all those bigger angles. And I think Mm -hmm. the pimps aren't as likely to see it, to to understand the cause of why they're, you know, losing losing, uh, power, essentially. Whereas it's very easy to look at a bus ticket and yeah. say fuck that right you're not stealing my girls yeah uh so yeah i, I think it's a mistake i i called it as such when it happened um it, it is interesting to me the conversation that she has with the girl in then leon's is that the the diner mm-hmm. is that the actual name of the diner i know i think it is okay uh she essentially doesn't know how to ask for the thing she wants without getting the beat down from her pimp right That that's the thing that that was really yeah uh shocking to me is like even in this private conversation where she could say yes please get me a bus ticket out of here right she she doesn't know how to do that well also the the way that they also told the story of that she could just been talking about the weather yeah the pimp still pissed Uh she's having the conversation uh and you know dorothy's kind of saying like well we don't do that and it it is but they do do that they do that's the thing they do they do do that and that's what but that's the thing like it's kind of like what i had on that rant last week what seems so clear to people outside the situation that like hey you just got to be you guys got to organize and get the stuff done and small incremental progress and societal change all that it doesn't mean anything when you know, you're a pregnancy test away from being enslaved to this guy forever. Uh-huh. And then if, if that's not the reality, that's certainly the perception, uh, which is the reality for a lot of these women. So, yeah, I guess what she sh- should have said there, if mm-hmm. she wanted to be more honest, mm-hmm. is we can't do that for everyone. Right. That's not but a then, nice thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. And, and also how like, yeah, that how you have the 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 prostitutes turning against the people who are trying to help them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also thought it was interesting how I did. It seemed almost wretchedly naive. Dave going to the pimps talking about legalization because it'd be like, it'd be like trying to sell legalization to Stringer Bell. Uh They don't want that. He, he, you know, 
uh, he wants to reform. Maybe, maybe, maybe pimps would allow that. Yeah, maybe we could do things better, and maybe the cops can cannot be as stupid and hassly. And there's some, but like legalization in a world that I mean, this is the thesis right here. Um, and maybe that's the thing that it is wretchedly naive for Dave to say this because he should know better. <laughs> but David Simon needs to say this for the the civilians out there watching this series that hey, if you want to make these, if if you're if you're so concerned with women and, you know, you, you you don't want these pimps to have this sway over their life, then legalize it. Legalize it. Tax it. Control yeah. it. Regulate it. Don't make it be the wild fucking West on the streets out there. And that's no, such I a, mean, tur- turn them into business owners. It's such a simple, <laughs> like, it's such a simple concept. I, I don't, to me, it just seems like there's zero downside to, again... Red light districting this stuff, pushing it all to a few blocks of the city where it's it's like, you know, Las Vegas. You don't have to have gambling legalized all over the country. You need one spot where anything kind of goes. It just seems like that's such a simple proposition, and yet it is. no it's, one wants to try it. It's a question of morals, essentially, mm-hmm. is the only reason it's still illegal. Yeah. Uh, in most places. Not all places. Right. Uh, but yeah, I here's the thing about this guy i don't know what abby sees in him i, I mean i understand like the cause, he's man. for the same causes yeah. that she's for but physically like that doesn't mean you gotta fuck yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. physically what does she see sure in this guy because sure. i'm not seeing it whatever it is yeah 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 i mean no. he he has a vague matthew mcconaughey kind of hairstyle going Va- on okay i was like uh, i thought you were gonna say face i'm like what i, I mean he's got a, like the twerp version of uh-huh. matthew mcconaughey's face i think he's i think it's his, the rat face version it sounds weird but his courage like going and confronting those pimps the way he does especially alone yeah, that's fair uh shit i'd be scared but you can and get, I, you can get all his courage without fucking guy. him. Yeah. <laughs> you can get, you get all my, that courage. Uh, it's almost like courage is a sexy quality to have <laughs> in, a, in a person. Almost. Almost. I, I prefer a Matthew McConaughey face. Um, yeah. What did you think, CC? Like, what? Uh, let's talk about CC for a bit. CC, I, I know he's going to do something violent and cruel, but he's such a fucking paper tiger this whole season. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, I want, I want to see your thing. I'm going to autograph it. And he, and I'm like, oh god, I think he's going to get his full legal name, and then bad things are going to happen. He just sets it on fire. Mm-hmm. He goes something else. He sets on fire two perfectly good pieces of steak. Oh, right. Uh, and and like this. This nakedly transparent, self-serving, <laughs> dare I say, Trumpian a- appeal to Lori that like, hey, when you're jet setting and you're making tons of money and meeting a bunch of beautiful people, they're going to treat you right. Don't forget that you got the love back here. Don't forget this overcooked steak. When, 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 yeah, when, when, yeah. when I, you don't need me anymore. Don't forget that I got you a puppy you didn't want and two and eight, a, a giant <laughs> inedible hunks of beef and kind of low-key embarrassed you in this, this classy establishment. Like, the fuck, yeah. CC? What the hell? Like, I prefer this to him cutting women's armpits, but for sure. Uh, yeah, I... Man... Uh, I just know there are bad things coming there, and mm-hmm. and I thought they would have surfaced by now, but I also thought this was the second to last episode. So mm. I, th- there's this scene, you know, with her agent where she essentially says yes to this six month contract, for three, three, three movies, film deal, yeah, uh, franchise, no other work of any kind, and they make it very specific, no kind of work, right, other than this, which 
uh, CC is not going to be happy about. You can imagine, you imagine, yeah, you don't, you, you, you really don't want the prostitution on a film, film, uh, porn set. No, I wouldn't think so. It's just like the the diseases could just run wild on the. That. Yeah, you don't want Bobby's kids on there either. But that's true. It's yeah, probably going to happen. Uh, yeah. So so yeah, I'm I'm super worried for Lori going into this next episode when she has to break that news to him. I don't know why she does. Just ghost his ass. <laughs> Go yeah. to Mal. He's not going to what? You going to fly out there? Right. He's no, scared he's not. Of planes. No, he's not. He's not going to get. He's, he's, he could drive to take a bus. He'd, he'd make it twenty miles outside New York City. Find out that his favorite radio station isn't in Infinity Range <laughs> and drive back just like the Hoppers from Baltimore. Right. I, like I just, I just think she just ghosts him. But and yeah. the thing is, I, I thought that I, I think that there was this like Stockholm syndrome thing, but. They gotta stop playing that because the way they have yep. her play this dinner scene is she is over this. Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of embarrassed for CC uh, and how like it's like she's outgrown him. She's yeah, outgrown I, him I in every way. I don't think they're playing it as Stockholm syndrome. I think they're playing it as intimidation and and desperation because mm-hmm. like that that speech that she gives to Eileen. Uh, yeah, last last episode. Yeah, where mm-hmm. she says, "I have nothing that's my own. What the fuck am I gonna do?" Uh, but now she does. She's got an advance. She's going to have right. like a, right. surely an advance on a three film like that could set her up easily out there. And yeah. she just never comes back. That's it, true. And it would be a nice way to explore that side of the porn industry, you know, because sure. I, we thought that might have been through Maggie Gyllenhaal's character. But she's gone on to bigger and better things yeah. behind the camera. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we might need some kind of insight into, you know, the Hollywood scene out there and mm-hmm. what it's like to be actual actress in these movies. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Larry's uh, harem a little bit. I him like he just likes being an actor more than anything, more yeah. than pimping, more than fucking women. Apparently, no, I saw this coming a mile away. I mean, he, the look on his face when he first got into acting, he uh-huh. seemed to really like it. Yeah, and how was his his pitching? Like, what do you think about the heat of the meat and the heat <laughs> of the meat? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just sitting. He's going to go through uh, shaft. You don't have to change that. Uh-huh. The shaft. Uh, he's going to work through all the. The Sydney Poitier and black exploitation <laughs> films, and just just put fucking into the title, and there you go. And you yeah. know what? Probably have a real nice porn career. Probably, yeah. yeah from what I hear of the seventies and eighties, it was all the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, and Darlene got pregnant. She sure did. Did you get a load of those old time pregnancy tests? You had to fucking do it was chemistry, like a chemistry man. kit. Yeah. yeah, something you get a radio shack. Women, that you just have to pee on a stick. You uh-huh. you had to get beakers and like I thought like she had a lab coat on. Yeah, and that came with the kit. Little little eye protection. <laughs> uh, when if the smoke turns blue and there's a bright flash, then you're pregnant. If you get the brown ring, the br- a brown ring, a brown ring. Yeah, hmm. I've seen brown rings. None of them involving pregnancy. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds more like an adult industry thing. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a high school form of birth control than yes. than anything. Um, so, she, but she's, you know, we've seen Darlene, she's going in a completely different trajectory here. She's uh-huh. trying to take classes, uh, she's educating herself. Uh, she is kind of going the opposite of Lori, where she's, like, Lori might end up having a house with no foundation, uh, Darlene's trying to build the foundation so that she can then get away and build this house. Yeah, and I guess that's the the area where I didn't see any of this coming is I thought Darlene and Larry might have something going here in mm-hmm. the future, and Darlene wants nothing to do with that. Yeah, 
And she might. What's funny is that she might be like luck out that Larry gets disinterested in pimping yeah. at the exact time that she's like, oh, well, this works out great, Daddy, because now I want to go be an accountant. Yeah. What if Rudy got disinterested in being a mobster? Right. Like. Right. <laughs> I want right. to go be an actor. Uh, Vincent, you're out. You, you know, know? What'd be cool. Shut it down. Is if uh, like. David Simon gets uh, Elizabeth Moss in here for the finale of this season, and she's like Peggy Olsen, mm-hmm. aged up about 10 years. She's now firmly ensconced in this female ad agency, and she hires Darlene as, like, you know, uh, like essentially her position from Mad Men season one. That would be a weird they crossover. Don't say, they don't say she's Peggy, but it just don't like, acknowledge it, yeah. Yeah, maybe they don't even film, like, they film the interview where she's like, like it's just her voice and we see the back of her head. Uh-huh. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> I, I would love the Simon and uh, 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 the Wiener ships passing in, in the night. Uh, do you want to talk about Bobby and his kid situation? Okay, yeah. Uh, Bobby has a kid situation. He has for a, he, about he, 17 years now. Bobby's kid is the, un, I don't know his name, but he's the unwise wine merchant. I think uh, that's what Bobby would say about his own life. I got a kid situation. Right. Yeah, I got a kid situation. Yeah. What, what about this kid situation? I mean, I had mixed feelings about it because, do you, do, how did you interpret Bobby's son's relationship with uh, Rachel, I guess? Do you think Rachel uh, was Rachel using him to get out of the situation or what she had feelings? I mean, uh, clearly his the son's an idiot. He's thinking with his nightstick. <laughs> he is. I, I think maybe there's a little of both in there. Yeah, I think she's not used to meeting nice guys. Right. And this this guy, this this kid, he's sweet. Yeah. I mean, he's naive. He's he's new to this whole thing. I, I think he's. At least temporarily sweet mm-hmm. to her. Um, I think he's going to be fucked up later in life because of the shit that his dad has pulled. Right. Um, but for now, he's sweet. And I think, yeah, she's also like, hey, this could be my ticket out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so so what uh, that scene in the hallway where he confronts him is like, oh, yeah. the, you know, the uh, the whore in the high school dropout going to get a fresh start. Mm hmm. What gave her cold feet? Do you think it's because she didn't know that he dropped out of high school? Or do you think it's just like, well, this clearly oh, with hmm. this much? I, I'm trying to think, of like, why did she eventually go back to her apartment and shut the door? Is it because she just realized this was stupid? She realized that her scam got blown up? To like In the moment, I definitely felt it was like, oh, well, our shit got blown up. And mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with this argument. This is not my argument. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Right. You two fools in the hall. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. It's it, long term. It's where where does Bobby's kid end up in this I episode? I don't know. I don't because I can't Just tell. Back at home, I can't tell if he's smart. I can't tell if he's. Well, I thought a fight was going to break out in that. I, I've been you waiting. put that in my head when you know I when do. Bobby's pushing this kid around yeah. and this kid is actually pretty big. I feel like that's coming. That is definitely yeah. like Bobby's son's going to lay an ass whipping on Bobby, and that's going to be it. But he also just seems so timid and so meek, and like I mean, it's a big thing to take a swing in your old man. Yeah, I never did it, and shit, I had cause. <laughs> I, just the way he holds himself, he he feels like a kid who is too scared, too frightened to do that kind of thing. Now, mm. pushed far enough, maybe, but mm. uh, I don't know. Uh, he's not there yet. Uh, I don't have much more to talk. I mean, there's some really funny scenes. Like, I love, every, like, Frankie busting his balls after, and presumably, he, <laughs> he lost his virginity. Yeah, we, we do need to talk about Paul, I guess, because that's the other big relationship here that 
I guess blows up at the end of this. You know, they they break up. Dude, I was so set to be furious with Paul for stepping out on his super sweet boyfriend, Kenneth. But then, like, this is why Kenneth is such a sweetheart. He's so fucking mature. And, like, plus every... I, I got to recalibrate my expectation that ev- almost everyone is in a open relationship on this show. <laughs> That's just New York City. Yeah. That's just New York. And like, you know, like, OK, so like there was no like there was like, well, I was completely honest. And it's like, well, it's not even a problem with that. It's just that, you know, there's no room for us. And then they yeah. realize that, like, you know, this was our vision, but you're the one that can run it. I this is not the person that I that, that I am. No, this is this is such a goddamn mature, respectful relationship that they have. Yes, and, and a and a. I think probably more so due to Kenneth than than Paul. But probably, yeah, he's he's the one who you know sneaks into the the. I think Kenneth is a lot older than Paul. The docks and gets a blowjob. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel that like Kenneth is a lot uh, at older least than a Paul? little bit, yeah, like a, maybe a, a decade. Few years. So, like, Paul's kind of, like, he was wild and exciting and, like, made him feel alive. Yeah. But now things are a little scary and weird. And, like, we're going to be doing this every night, all night? Like, uh-huh. so, yeah. But, but I like that. You know, just they've come to the realization that this is not working because their lives have taken different directions. They want different things. And they're just maturely and matter-of-factly calling it off, you know? Yeah, when he said, you know what? I just realized we've we just forgot to break up. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing um, about like sense. opening up the club took a lot. What's left? Um, the one thing I was kind of confused about is why, because we saw how critical Kenneth was to Paul to Paul bringing this ideal to fruition, and Paul himself yeah. said, "Hey, this is as much yours as mine." Why does Kenneth? I don't know what Kenneth does, I guess, for a living, but why does he want out? Why does he not want to continue like managing the bar, helping out in that aspect? I don't know. I mean, one thought is it's maybe going to be too hard for him, and he knows that. Like being around somebody that he loves, and yeah. and like it, like his his heart is telling him one thing, his right. brain is telling him another, and right. he doesn't want to deal with that that conflict. Yeah. Um, but but I don't know. I, I feel like he could be a silent partner at this point, and Paul would be pretty much okay with it. It's interesting because the way they portray these open relationships is I really liked uh, Abby and Vincent's where, mm-hmm. you know, he she accused him of being jealous. He's like, ah, we don't do jealous. But she sees the truth, kind of like we yeah. saw earlier in the season that, like, if you're in an open relationship, the way I've heard it is that you don't it's not that you don't experience jealousy. It's like you have to you have to figure out ways to deal with it or mm-hmm. have a little bit more of a rational. You can't, you gotta, you, you got, you can't listen to your monkey and your lizard brain. You gotta, you gotta engage and be like, well, this is just an emotion and it's because of this and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, so you need to have, uh, psychotherapy training <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I i did like that to where it's like yes it's it's not that he's just jealous it's this other thing but also he's jealous yeah he's jealous mm. um there's not a lot yeah i do think that maybe kenneth is wise to get out because i do think that one of the other you know like bobby's gonna catch a beating from his son uh-huh. and something bad's gonna happen to kenneth's club Especially to now Paul's that this, club, yeah. this or, yeah, to Paul's club now that this war is is heating back up. It's got to. They, they they don't drag that out and make Paul staking himself out on his own without any mob protection a plot point and they've let an appropriate amount of episodes go for us to kind of like forget that information and they're gonna punch us in the face with it. What if something bad happens to Kenneth? Oh Jesus. Because <laughs> like they because the, the mob doesn't know that it broke up. That right, would be right. that would be the worst. I mean, he's still That'd a 50-50 partner, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
then finally, I think we have to talk about the cop angle. Oh, yeah. Well, just the shocking thing, like, when Flanagan beat and need his brains out in his car, that felt fucking real, man. Yeah. The way they filmed it, the sudden violence, the sickening thud and crunch, it... I mean, the thing... I He said it's an accident... Which may be true in the moment, but what's not an accident mm-hmm. is his behavior up to and leading up and including this this whole situation. Like it's inexcusable yeah. to like stalk, harass, and abuse this woman, uh, and 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 then get yourself so worked up that you kill her. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, man! Um, yeah. And I tell you what. I was primed to be furious with Paul for breaking up with a super sweet girl. And I was also feeling a, a feeling a rage building up in me with Chris pocketing that watch. I'm like, yeah, do not cover up for this. Bastard. You son of a bitch. All <laughs> this shit you've been talking. If you do this, uh, then like I am, I am out on you. I am out on you. And to, I think the show's credit, I still have some feelings about, the widow, like trying to protect the widow's pension and family, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, like like Chris says, there ain't no pension on this other side for Anita. Um, but I guess I'm, I, I could see doing that for your partner, not because he was anything great, but his wife clearly doesn't deserve him, doesn't right. deserve this bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Did they play? What did you think of the the bowling scenes? The bowling alley uh, the, dinner. The, the... Yeah, I mean, just the progressively more drunk uh, Flanagan, is that his name? Yeah. Because it always is. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think they needed something. Cause I, have we even seen his wife before? No, uh-uh. Okay. They, they needed to show us the relationship there, I think, in this moment before he kills himself. Right. Otherwise, I, I don't think it plays as well. Yeah, what do you think the, the damage is there? Because, like, I thought early in the evening... Things were going okay. There was a little low-key... Uh, maybe it's because uh, Chris is uncomfortable with how much he's drinking, and he knows where this is going to go. But, like, I thought when he wasn't so fucking drunk, it seemed like his wife and he was having a good time. Yeah. And we didn't... You know, it's, there wasn't any, like, this hints of, like, you know, McNulty and his wife where they're just constantly bat- battling. Maybe you're supposed to... Un- you, you've seen so much David Simon. You're supposed to know that he goes home to a face full of shit with his long hours and his drinking and all that other, you know, <laughs> terrible human being stuff that he... he that he he pulls i i would think it would have to be yeah i mean a, a man like that can't maintain a good relationship with anyone i yeah. don't think yeah but it's uncomfortable and you see him going and harassing bobby and their staff and accusing like, you know that's uh, he's the 800 pound gorilla in the, uh, the room because what are you going to do if a drunk cop comes looking for his lover and decides to shoot the place up mm-hmm. not not much like even even black frankie was like he's starting to draw and like Flanagan shut that shit down real quick. Yeah. So I, I was surprised that it wrapped up like this. I thought that the moment where Chris goes to try to gently say, you got to do the right thing, partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think Chris Nudie is going to commit suicide? I don't think so. No, I think he was worried about the quote unquote rabbiting. Like he's going to yeah, run. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I, it's might be a weird thing to say, but I really love the moment where he commits suicide. Mm. It, it, the way it was played where he's like trying to do it and trying to do it and he can't do it and then at the end he's just like 
because he's thinking about all the consequences. And he right? looks he's, over and sees the big blood splash. And right, he's know. he's thinking about like, what is this going to do to my family? Like, do do I have anything left to live for? And he knows he does. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he he takes all of those things that he's thinking about and he says fuck it and just blows his head off. Right. And I thought that's the only way that can go, right? Because if right. you get two in your own head, you won't take it off. Right. Yeah. So I I don't know it. it it felt like a more genuine like suicide moment that I've seen in a lot of shows. Yeah, and I felt like this is another way because like you know we talk we've talked a lot in uh, across bald move about patriarchy and feminism and whatnot, and it's it's not to say that men have like that that just because you support feminism feminism doesn't mean that you think men have uh, life easy. The patriarchy cuts both ways, and one of the ways it cuts is it puts so much pressure on these guys that like the loss of honor and the shame to experience he'd rather shoot him see like you know, men's suicide rates are way higher than women huh. across the board and it's because that there's all this bullshit pressure society puts on you to to act and and be in a certain way and if you can't then you got to pay a price hmm. and yeah. a lot of guys would rather take you know the quote unquote easy way out rather than that and i felt like that's all played on this guy's face Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the performance, it was intense. Like, I remember watching this like, wow, I'm going to watch this guy shoot, blow his head off. And then he kind of has second thoughts. I'm like, huh, this is an interesting way to. Oh, no, nope, he's going to shoot. <laughs> right. It's it felt again, just like the him killing Anita. It felt very real mm-hmm. in in a, in a way that kind of like uh, borderline shocked and disturbed me. Yeah. So bravo, bravo to uh, everybody involved in the, the making the episode, because that was uh, that was a fucking fucking scene. And then the then the, the end where Officer LaRusso of the Vice Squad goes to pay off Bobby to look the other way. Yeah. And it's a weird moment for them both, but also like, well, that's what you're going to do. You know, it's the quote unquote right thing to do. Yeah. And I, I don't even think there was really an option here. Right. I mean, I don't think Bobby's going to go try and get the cops busted for Anita's death when... Right. Like, who's who's that going to serve? Right. right. It's only going to draw attention but, to his club, but, his parlor. But Abby is going to be fucking pissed when she uh, gets wind of this because this yeah. is her point. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm glad you took care of this guy's family. Do you even know Anita's real name mm-hmm. or her family or like you know like what? It's it's so fucking unfair because yeah. there is a there's people looking out after this piece of shit Flanagan. Nobody looking out for Anita. Nope. Uh, that's all I got to say. How about you, Jim? Yeah, that's it. Hey, before we get to feedback, I want to talk about uh, club.baldmove.com. And we got some we got some fresh product for you, some uncut, unstepped on product in the form of our Super Serious Film Fest season of the cage. You can go to youtube.com uh, slash baldmove and preview the trailer for this content, which uh, Jim did. Uh, we did it upright. We hired a movie trailer voice guy. We got a sound. We commissioned a soundtrack. Uh, we just did. We it's custom art, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and we're going to do this film festival about around Nick Cage's career. Uh, he's done a lot of great films such as Adaptation uh, and The Rock, and he's done a lot of really bad films too, like <laughs> Con Air and. Uh, I don't know. Kiss of the Vampire Shadow. We're going to get some, we're going to get weird with this film festival. The first installment is up uh, is going to be up Thursday. It's going to be a look at the rock and we're going to be doing our standard bald movie treatment podcast for everybody. But for club members, 
Uh, you can watch the movie with us, uh, synchronize your copy of The Rock and watch us watch the movie like you're sitting on the couch with us. And we also uh, we, we brainstormed a sequel to The Rock called The Clock, uh, also starring Sean Connery and Nick Cage. If that sounds like fun to you, don't miss out. Get on. Uh, get, get in early at club.baldmove.com. That uh, Super Serious Film Fest is just one of many special features that you can preview by going to club.baldmove.com and start a free 30-day trial. You know, you try the serious, Super Serious Film Fest. See if it meets your expectation. You can cancel at any time. No money out of your pocket. Club.baldmove.com. Let's get the feedback. If you can send feedback for this podcast into TV at baldmove.com or you can get on the forums. There's a Fred. There's a Fred. There's a Fred for every f- episode. <laughs> On forums.baldmove.com, Vicky ends up first. Rather, the Deuce premiered HBO's running at the Wire Marathon, and I caught a reference in season four. I think Carver gives Lester uh, uh, gives Lester Marlowe's cell phone number, and Lester calls asking if it was the hi hat. For over a year, I've been wondering what the significance hmm. of the hi hat was. It turns out if you Google hi-hat, you'll fall down a very large rabbit hole. There's one in D.C. where George Pelicanos is from, at the Ambassador Hotel, a famous jazz club in Boston, and a club in Baltimore called the Harlem Hi-Hat. It was a popular name back in the 1930s. If you guys or anyone else in the Baltimore community has any insight, I would love to hear. Because uh, I have an irrational fascination with trivia such as this. I wouldn't be surprised if there was an actually hi-hat in, in, on the deuce either. Or yeah. it could be that they made up, you know, it's called the Double Cherry, and they just turned it into Hi-Hat because it's a good name for nightclub. It is, yeah. I really and like you it. You can hear it. You know. If it's, you know, if it has associations with the places that the creators are from, then sure. You, I, might, you might have done your own sleuthing work there, yeah, Vicky. I don't have any other insight, but good job. Uh, Russ K has an anachronism for us. I spied a bells too hard to tap handle in uh, the bar in Vermont. When did bells come out? I thought the place was founded in 1983. I actually looked it up, and according to their website, they were uh, they they formed in 1985. Hmm. Uh, bells too hard is one of my favorite IPAs. I'm surprised I didn't see that, but I guess you know historical i mean i i remember uh talking with jason uh from the natter podcast last year about this show and i, I guess if you're really steeped in 1970s new york city there's a lot of where they you know they 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 dress the street they do a lot of digital stuff but there's some things that just aren't quite right and i just think that i don't think david simon cares that much about making it you know he's not trying to make master and commander far side of the world here no, I, I mean, I think it's the, what, the 80-20 rule, right? Yeah. You get 80% of the way to 1970s New York, and right. 80% of the people are going to be satisfied. Right. And you it'll don't take, want to push for those other 20. And then it'll take 80, it'll take right, 80% of your effort and to, and the get, yeah, 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 to, get, to get that last 20%. Right. Uh, moving on to Kate. I said, I don't get the whole Vince and Abby thing. It's stretching my belief that they've stayed together this long. Is it laziness? Convenience because she's managing a bar so well? At this point, it seems they barely know each other. The relationship seems like it's hanging by a thread, but the more Vince gives Abby reason to dump him, the more it seems he needs her. It struck me that until Vince was up in Vermont, I had no idea what season it was. Um, so I don't I mean, I, I think you either get the appeal of open relationships or you don't like that. You always have this emotional core that you can come back to, yeah. but it, it kind of neatly solves the problem of long-term human sexual relationships, which is it does seem from a biological standpoint, we're programmed 
to want to fuck a bunch of people. Uh, so one 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 workaround is is just uh, fuck a bunch of people. And... Just fuck a bunch of people, but yeah. like be open and honest about it, uh-huh. and don't hurt anybody's feelings, and have really good communication, and you can pull it off. Yeah, now, that's the hard part is the communication, I imagine. Right, and the Cause, jealousy because you even see this with like. You, you know, there's lots of different ways to do these open relationships. And I feel like with the Kenneth and Paul, it's like they had a rule of like, it's not like Paul comes home and like rubs his nose, like Kenneth's nose in it. Literally. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, wants, he, he wants Kenneth to take a shower to rub first. his own nose in it. This wants to take a, you gotta, you gotta take a shower first, but he's, yeah. he's not going to be like, Hey, where are you? Oh, why is that getting plowed and plowing? Yeah. It's going to be, ah, you know, is that with a friend? It's, it's uh, same with that. You know, uh-huh. like it's, it's like how much detail do you want? champ sport <laughs> right and there's others that come home and that's like that's part of the, the thrill is like oh tell me all about it you know there's all mm-hmm. kinds of ways you can do these kind of but i like i said i think you either get or you don't i don't think that they're telling a story of their relationship being on the rocks any more than like a couple fighting over money or how to raise a child like they have a yeah. core disagreement about and not even a disagreement it's just vincent's like well fuck i if i knew now what i knew then I would have done things differently, but I didn't, and I'm trapped, and it makes our existence uncomfortable because we're I'm doing the thing that you're trying to stamp out, mm-hmm. you know. So like, but that does I don't think that means that you have a bad relationship. It just means they have a really intractable problem. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of I think convenience wrapped up in it too, like having this home base for her um, seems like it could it could be a stabilizing factor in her life yeah because i'm thinking like without vincent you know does she uh, just go get her own apartment i guess Mm -hmm. and and what kind of emotional support does she have is she gonna like i guess maybe turn to dave i mean maybe that's what they're doing here Mm -hmm. is they're they're turning that emotional attraction toward dave Mm -hmm. as opposed to vincent and that could that could be the thing that you know dissolves that relationship yeah but I think that's where you got the opposite situation where like, I do kind of buy your theory that she's not that sexually attracted to Dave. <laughs> right. So I mean, she's whereas... going to have to bring that open relationship topic up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Just tell him, look, you're my emotional core here. You are not my <laughs> my dream buff. Let me tell no. you that. And then the problem is your core. It's just, there's just <laughs> nothing there. Uh <laughs> Uh, she continues. I really want Larry to go whole hog with the acting. Whoa, whole hog. Mm. Uh, maybe I just want more Larry. Maybe he'll lend a hand his stable ugh, to Darlene or partner up with her. She's gotten more and more ballsy. I can almost see it. Ooh, what if Darlene just becomes a madam? A madam? Yeah. Because you can, like, a madam implies, like, you've moved up in status. Like, this is a lot classier. You mm-hmm. know, business, you're, you're now, you're not getting drunk, sweat, sweaty, fat guys clocking out of the factory. You're getting you know, businessmen, executives, politicians, judges. Yeah, coked up uh, Wall Street people in the 80s. The one get only. that far. Uh, and then she says, no news about whether Eileen is aware of where Frankie's money came from. That's making me anxious. Uh, my, yeah, I'm, I think you can read it both ways, but my read is that she got it. She has to be aware of it because there is no, no core objection to getting involved with mob, mob money. Like that, that cherry has already been busted at this point. And I'm not sure if it's because she knows that Frankie made the deal with, with, uh, Rudy, or she had to go get financing at some. I, how much time has elapsed between the last episode, too? I don't know, man. That could be one of the reasons it could be hard to peg the season is because maybe it's like been six to eight weeks. Could be. I mean, they're not done cutting the film, but they did do reshoots, and there's like, so it's, yeah, probably six to eight weeks. That can happen then. 
Mr. X, my jaw aches just thinking about eating an extra well-done two-person porterhouse. <laughs> and you know CC finished the whole thing out of pride. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I... And he probably made Lori finish the whole thing out of not wasting his money. I just don't understand the whole... like Because I, I guess I was a little squeamish about because I was always raised, uh, you know, probably on medium well to mm. well. And when I first tried like a medium steak, it was like a re- revelation. Like, hey, you don't need steak sauce for this shit. And I've been like, I'm, it's, <laughs> I'm, I've worked my way down to like just, just above rare, uh, mm. is how I kind of like my steaks. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess I can relate because I used to feel the same way. But like, if you're so squeamish about eating a food how it's supposed to be ate, eaten, why, 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 why do you want the food? Why do you mm-hmm. want to spend forty dollars on a steak? Yeah. That could be a chuck roast for what you're tr- what you're doing to it. No, you shouldn't. You yeah. shouldn't. That's yeah. the answer. That's a that's an important thing we're trying. That's an important outreach we're doing here at Bald Move. Uh, that's our feedback. That's our podcast. TV at baldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com. If you want to talk about it, uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget, we're doing doing a couple things on the the TV podcast now. Uh, Romanovs and the Deuce. Uh, we'll be back next week for both. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.